Mana 3 Media. This is the Book Publicist Podcast, powered by Local PR Toolkit. I'm your host, Jason Jones, and I'm a longtime book publicist and agent. We're going to talk to publicists, media, publishers, and authors and give you a peek behind the curtain into the world of book marketing and publicity. So, my marketing and publicity starved author friends, let's go! Welcome to another episode of the Book Publicist Podcast. I am your host, Jason Jones, and I am uh, fortunate to be in the company of producer extraordinaire, David Wilkinson. So fortunate. What's up, D-Dub? Man, I'm good. I enjoy being with you probably more than you enjoy being with me. But Absolutely we don't need to get so. into that. I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> I can guarantee you that is the case. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I love you, dude. Love hey, you man, too. this show is going to help a lot of people, David. I think a lot of authors, especially of the self-published variety, um, kind of get a peek behind the curtain, what it's like uh, on on this side of the business. You know, there's a lot of things that we do at the publishing house and in on this side of things that they just don't have access to. And so that's what this thing's designed to do yeah, is yeah. to let them see how we do what we do so they can learn to do it for themselves. They that's can right. learn to be their own publicist. A lot of times I've heard from so, so many authors over the years that didn't feel like they had, uh, they could afford a publicist. They didn't know how to do this themselves. They don't have access to uh, the folks that we're hopefully going to give them access to on this podcast. That's right. And you're talking to a book publicist today. A longtime book publicist today, Sean Tabbitt, who is... Doesn't he have like 10 kids? Dude, he has 10 kids. <laughs> That's a lot of kids. <laughs> he runs a lot too, and I always joke with Sean that he's running away. <laughs> From his kids? That he Well, every day... If you if you follow Sean on social media, you'll see that he posts these little pictures. It'll say six more miles or ten more miles, you know. Oh yeah, and he's I into always it. yeah, I think that maybe he's running, and he gets three or four miles out and goes, ah oh, man, I I guess I should go back, and he <laughs> circles back, you know. Right, right. So he gets in a lot of miles. He's a great dude, man. He's one of my favorite people in this industry. It's going to be a great conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Today with my good buddy Sean Tabbitt. Sean is uh, in his home studio. How you doing, man? Looks great. You look like you've upgraded your equipment. There, you're uh, you're big time. Well, uh, Jason, always good to talk with you, my friend. I'm doing fantastic, and yeah, I've actually been making a bunch of upgrades to the studio this year. Um, I've got actually two softbox lights, one above me, one to the side here. Uh, just got this new. Rode uh, PodMic Pro, which is a fantastic microphone. It goes for $100. Been really pleased with it. Uh, you can't see it, but I've got acoustic foam up on the walls now. So I- I'm trying to be as legit and professional as I can in the home studio. Man, I am impressed. So for our listeners, let me introduce you a little more formally. Sean is uh, an executive uh, specializing in acquisitions and marketing at Destiny Image Publishers. And um, just a fantastic publicist, a great man, a, a great friend, father of 10, which is unbelievable. I don't, still blows my mind. Um, father of 10 and a podcaster, uh, host of the Sean Tabbitt show, which is terrific. And a runner, uh, you uh, are a lot like Forrest Gump in that it seems you never stop running every day you post your mileage on facebook and i just feel 
fatter and fatter um, <laughs> while I see you shrinking and good for you. But uh, yeah, so man, I'm, I'm, I'm loving talking to you. It's been a while. We, uh, we see each other once a year, typically at a, uh, a convention or a conference. We've been buddies for probably, gosh, going on what, 10 years now? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just get grayer and grayer and wider and wider and um, maybe a little wiser. I don't know. We'll see. But we're, we're talking, you know, I, I've told you a little bit about the, the, the podcast and what we're doing uh, for hoping to do for our audience and, and training them to, t- to think like a publicist and to be able to, to uh, act as their own publicists so many times, as you know, these self-published authors work for months or years on a book. They get it in their hand and all of a sudden they figure out that they, they, they can't find anyone to serve as their publicist. They can't afford a publicist, an expensive publicist. They don't know how to do it themselves. So what we're hoping to do is to train them up so that they can serve as their own publicist for their books from now until you know their writing career is, is, is over. And um, there's, of course, a lot involved in doing that. So we've had a lot of great conversations thus far this season. And uh, you and I are going to dive today a little bit into uh, the idea that no interview is a small interview, right? I mean, we, we encourage these authors and the, the product actually that we're rolling out for them is called Local PR Toolkit. So we're obviously encouraging them to start locally and there are myriad advantages to doing that. Um, so uh, let's talk about some of those, those local opportunities and some of the things we've seen happen uh, as an outgrowth of a local opportunity. Uh, I know you've probably had some success stories that come to mind. Yeah, uh, there's a book I worked on a couple of years ago uh, when I was at Chosen Books. At the time, I was the senior publicist. And so this was a, a traditionally published trade book, but that's kind of irrelevant to the story. Uh, so I get CC'd on this email that wasn't meant for me, uh, but somehow I got copied into the loop. And it was a local radio station in the Minneapolis area, an AM station. Uh, and it was this show that has kind of a, a paranormal sort of ghost theme. And it happened that I had an author with, with a book called The Paranormal Conspiracy. And this book looked at kind of the interaction between the supernatural and spiritual world and faith. And so uh, it was something that was, would actually be a really good fit for the show. And so, uh, you know, they'd randomly copied me down an email. They didn't know me, but I, I reached out to them and said, hey, I have this author. You know, he's, he's a, a well-studied guy. He represents himself well. And, you know, I'd love for you to have him on the show. And so, so they said yes. And it's, it's, again, it's an AM show in Minneapolis that airs at like 11 o'clock at night. So, woohoo, you know, it'd be a good fit, but is it really going to make a difference? And so my author goes on the show, knocks the interview out of the park. They really liked him. Well, the next week, the host of the show emails me. He's like, hey, man, we just, we love that author. We had such a fantastic conversation. I'd like to introduce him to one of my friends that has... Uh, a larger show. I mean, Coast to Coast AM actually was the show that he wanted to connect us to. And he's like, you know, they reach, you know, over 3 million people. And so I, I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be fantastic. And so we ended up booking that author for this gigantic show that has really an international reach. And it all became, it all came because I responded to a random email and got him booked on this little AM. I mean, it's, I guess it, 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 little might not be fair because they do have a good size audience. But again, an AM show airing at like 11 o'clock at night in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis area. So from that to, you know, reaching 3 million people. Uh, so that's, that's probably my favorite success story because it, it felt kind of random. And I was just like, hey, I, I'm happy to just give uh, this author an opportunity to talk, but it, it opened up uh, the door to a really big opportunity. 
Yeah, no, and that's that's the the idea, you know. And and I've I've said so many times um, in various places on our social feeds and, and and here on the podcast this first season, you know, you go on a local interview, you knock it out of the park as your guy did, and you know, the objective is to become a regular, you know, uh, a semi maybe every few months you're on, especially if your topic is one that's a little more evergreen. But you go on, you become a regular. You know, uh, you know, it, it, those folks at that sh- at that particular show or outlet likely have, you know, um, you know, a it, they're, they're an affiliate. You know, they've got a network somewhere listening um, that may all of a sudden be turned on to that author, you know, um, and all of a sudden then you're reaching a much bigger audience. You know, the, the interviews now locally too. the other thing is that that they, they have a shelf life, you know, because of uh, the ability to post them online and share them. Um, you know, no interview is really local anymore from from that perspective. So, I, I, and I think they give you a chance. We've said to to get some seasoning, some much needed seasoning and experience, so that you know when you are in front of the big bright lights on that big interview you've worked for for years, you know you know what you want to say, you know how to conduct yourself, and and those big bigger shows will take you more seriously after you've done some local media. So, you know, the idea of uh, of becoming a regular on a local show, I think is something that a lot of self-published authors, um, you know, they, they want to kind of bypass their local market. I think the idea is, Hey, I'm going to write a book. And the first person I'm going to go out and pitch is, you know, CBS news or Fox news or, you know, uh, CNN. And I think that's the wrong idea. Yeah. I mean, the, the big challenge you face, if you immediately try to bypass your local media and go for national media, is the amount of competition for that national media is gigantic. And so, uh, you know, you're, you're a small fish in this huge ocean versus when we're talking about local news, be it print, online, radio, TV, there's not as much competition for those spots. And so the likelihood of you being able to land a significant opportunity in that local market, at least when you're starting out, that's, that's much more likely than uh, being able to get CBS News or Fox or whatnot right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, the other thing is too, with the local uh, stations, and this is something that we've, we've uh, been doing with a few of our clients here lately, you know, they, they've got Instagram, you know, accounts, these local stations, they got a Facebook feed and Instagram feed that most of them, from what I can tell, don't know what to do with, you know, um, go into the studio, shoot a few 30, little 30 second clips or, or figure out a way to provide them with some great content for their, their social feeds. You're local, you're relevant to their audience. If it's good content, you're going to drive some traffic there to their feed. That's good for them. It's good for you. It costs them nothing. You know, um, there are different ways to provide them with content. They're always looking for good content. And Lord knows, if you if you think that the, you know, that they've just got more good content than they can handle you, then you haven't watched a lot of local news lately. You know, um, I watch clips every day of things that happen on local news that I just can't believe I'm watching. Um, they need the content desperately. I my son actually works for. Uh, our local Fox News affiliate here in Champaign, Illinois. And every night when he comes home, he tells me some of the crazy stories they run. And man, sometimes they reach pretty deep into a barrel to, for some of the stories they, they have. I think uh, I, th- I think my, the weirdest one this past year was someplace in like Scotland or Ireland where there was some some issue where like a bunch of rats ended up overrunning a highway or something. But you know why, why include that for news? Because you're desperate to have something interesting to share. You're just looking for something that's going to kind of intrigue people. So you're actually doing them a favor if you provide them with good local news. 
Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And that and that's that's a um, that's a mindset that we work to overcome as well. I mean, me, myself, when I was a young publicist, you know, I was of the impression that um, they were doing me a favor by having my folks on on their show. And, you know, the longer I was in the business, the more I figured out that, yeah, this is a win win. I'm providing you with great content for your audience. You know, it's relevant. Uh, it's important to to them. It's something that's going to in, inform or entertain them. And so you're winning when you provide them with good content. You know, um, so I'm 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 doing you as much a favor as you are me. My author's happy. You're happy. Your audience is happy. It's a win win. So I think you have to get past that um, that mindset too, right? That that they're doing you a favor. Um, you're providing them a service. You know, you're not asking a favor. You're providing a service. Yeah, I mean, you totally have to realize that what you're bringing has value, and they may have never heard that, or they may have never heard your flavor of that that story or that idea. And so uh, you could very well be bringing something fresh and interesting to the table. You just don't realize it because it's new and it's normal to you, but maybe they've never heard that. Uh, and another thing I just wanted to touch back on, you talked about like becoming a regular on a program. You know, I think back to like my own podcasting journey, uh, you know, you can't necessarily always say podcasting is uh, like local news, but podcasting, I think similarly, uh, you know, the likelihood of you being able to get booked on some podcasts is, you know, out of the gate is still a lot bigger than, again, some of those big opportunities when you're still early on. But in terms of becoming a regular, you know, I've been podcasting for over eight years now, over 500 episodes at this point. And, you know, there are authors I have on every time uh, they have a new book come out. And, you know, they're, they're people that were willing to come on my show when my show was small. Some of them are authors who are just starting out. And I talked to them because what they had to say was kind of interesting. Uh, but you know, over eight years, we've built a relationship and we stay connected. And the reason they're regulars on my show is because I invested in them and they invested in me. And so the same thing can apply local media podcasts. You start building those relationships and you bring reciprocal and mutual value. Uh, it can be a relationship that lasts for years and decades. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the idea too, that, that, that a lot of people are missing is that, uh, doing a local interview gives you more credibility locally to go and do things like, you know, speaking appearances or events, right? Um, where you can also sell books, you know, and if you, if you own a small business there in the community, maybe drive some more folks um, in the door. But, you know, there's nowhere you're more relevant than at home in your own market. You know, your, your grandmother and your parents and your neighbors and your fourth grade school teacher and all those folks are going to see, hopefully, you know, uh, or hear about this appearance and, and it'll, it'll get your network talking and, uh, and you never know who's going to uh, have a need or a want for, for your book. But, you know, the idea too, um, that you, that I try to communicate to a lot of folks we work with is that you really, you should think about this as, you know, you want to be the guy, right? In your local community, the gal, the expert on this particular topic, you want to own whatever industry or, or topic it is. There locally. You want to be the guy that everyone thinks of, right? And that's probably not going to happen for you nationally. National hits are great and fine, but where you're going to live continually for the next number of years as an author, as a business person, an expert is, is in your, your hometown, right? Um, and, and so there really ne- needs to be a shift that you, you, you make in, in, in your mindset that you want to own your hometown. Um, and and if, you, if you live in a decent-sized market, you're talking possibly several thousand books that could be sold, uh, new customers you could drive in, in your door. Um, you know, and the idea too, the other, the other shift in thinking is that, you know, you're not doing the social, you're not doing the media 
to, to sell books as much as you are build an audience, right? And so if you've got, you know, a podcast or, or social feeds or, you know, uh, or website you want to drive folks to, that's why you're doing the media is to grow an audience of your own so that eventually you don't really need media anymore. You'll have a big enough and loyal enough audience that they can support a book uh, release or, or other things. Yeah. The thing I always like to tell authors in terms of building a platform and just going after promoting your, your book or your service offering, whatever it is, just remember it's a marathon and not a sprint. And, and the, the big thing to know is what you're building platform wise to launch this n- new product, this new book, whatever's closest in front of you. Uh, that's also building a platform for that next book or that next project or product, whatever it is that might be two years, three years, five years down the road. So it is this long-term ongoing process. And as you have more successes, as your network grows, and as everything scales and builds, you will just kind of keep going higher and higher and higher. And that, that is a process. Um, sometimes you do get to skip steps and you, you, know, you, you hit this critical mass point and you get pushed way far ahead. And you're like, wow, what happened? It changed overnight. Um, but it, it is a process that just, I always like to say, you got to keep putting the quarters in the bucket and eventually you're going to have a lot of value there. Uh, same kind of thing applies in terms of you know, building uh, a base of, of media and relationships. It's, it's just going to take time and effort, but eventually it pays off in a way that scales massively. Yeah. So uh, shifting gears, um, you are the first person we've spoken with this season who is actually um, in acquisitions on the publishing side. And, uh, you know, I remember back in the day when I was at HarperCollins and I sat in hundreds of acquisitions meetings. And, you know, the, the, um, the idea was then that, of course, everyone wanted to be published traditionally. And if all the publishing houses turned you down, then you go and you self-publish. And it was something of a loss, you know. Um, nowadays, honestly, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but when you get a proposal on your desk, a lot of times, are you not trying to talk the author out of self-publishing to publish with you? You know, they've, they've got some things in place some mechanisms, some, you know, uh, in place to sell books and, and, and maybe they're really thinking hard about self-publishing. You know, what is, what is that, that back and forth look like these days? What are some of the things you're seeing self-published folks bring to the table that you're having to counter? I think uh, I see a lot of authors who've successfully self-published some of their early messages and they get to a place where they may not want to deal with all the challenges of publishing and sales and distribution and all that. And so, uh, you know, uh, not unlike uh, the relationship between you and say the local media, there also has to be a good value exchange between you and a traditional publisher. And so I feel like a lot of those conversations right now are focusing on what are you bringing to the table? What are we bring? What are we bringing to the table? And how can this be a mutually beneficial process? And we can both have more success uh, in the scenario that we're crafting together. Uh, I would I would say by and large, in, in terms of acquisitions, you know, a lot of the things that were considered valuable back in the day when you were with HarperCollins Christian, um, you know, we're looking at platform. We're looking at how often are, are people speaking and that sort of a thing. Now, those are the same things that are going to help you be successful in move books, whether you're self publishing. Or also, if you're traditionally publishing, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm trying to talk people out of self-publishing. Sometimes, I, if if they're early on and they just don't have much of a platform and a big way to sell books, and it's something that's just not high enough felt need for it to be a good investment for the publisher, I might encourage somebody say, "Hey, you you really should sell if this if you want this out, you can self-publish it, do your own thing, get your feet wet, get some experience, and maybe come back to us in a few years." Um, and so. You know, one of the, I guess one of the things I would say is just that 
you know, if you want to go the traditional route, you do have to bring some things to the table to make that make sense for the other side to want to publish you. So it's, it's kind of a, it's not a dicey conversation. It's a very typical conversation when it comes to acquisitions. Um, it's, it just has to make sense for both parties in a, in a solid way. Yeah. It just feels like there's a lot more leverage on the author side of the table now, you know? Um, yeah. It's changed. So yeah, yeah. Self-publishing is, is no longer a, um, you know, a, a, a second option or a, you know, a plan B it's, Hey, you know, I've, I think I could really be successful doing this. Why should I publish with you as opposed to, will you please, please publish me? Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about one other thing. I don't know that we've really covered a lot. Um, in previous episodes, you know, you're in-house still. Um, and I know a lot of the authors that we talk to, um, are frustrated because they are published, they've been published traditionally, or maybe they're with a small publisher now, and they don't feel like they get any support in-house from marketing and publicity. And, and I, I know why that is. And I think you've had some experience there too. Now you are, you're a great, great marketer. You, I mean, you do a terrific job. So I'm not lumping you in there um, with, you know, the experience that a lot of other folks have had other places. I'm sure you guys are doing a great job at Destiny, but um, can you explain to maybe some of the, the, the folks out there that have been frustrated with the process, why that goes down the way it does? Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the big secrets is that, you know, your book is new, your book is fresh for a certain amount of time. So in terms, you know, at, at Baker Publishing Group, I managed a uh, a marketing team over two brands. And, you know, when I, we had a new book that was going to market, it was in front of us fresh, hot for about six months, you know, 90 days going up to release. We put a lot of effort into uh, getting the word out, sending out advanced copies and press kits and pitching people. And then for about the next 60 to 90 days, it was still hot. It was still new. We were following up with all the outlets and, and people that we'd reach out to. And, uh, you know, kind of that window was, uh, in many ways, the life cycle of the book because. Uh, every publisher has new books releasing every month and, you know, things go through the cycle and you have to keep moving on to the next thing. So when you get to that sort of 60 to 90 day window past release, really the baton gets handed to the author to, you know, continue finding media, continue, continue pursuing opportunities. That's not to say most of the publishers and publish publicists and publishers won't still help to an extent. You know, we might be willing to send out press kits and books to additional opportunities you find. Um, it's just there, there's not budget or time really built into the systems of any publisher that they're going to, you know, have your book be the, you know, primary grade A thing they're going after for six months or 12 months. There's, there's really a kind of a big six month window and sort of a 60 to 90 day window where it's, it's hot, it's fresh, it's new. Outside of that, um, you know, really the, the author or their team will probably have to pick up and run with it, uh, in order to find additional coverage for it. And it's, it's because of the you know new stuff coming out every month. That's that's just kind of how it is. Um, I, f- I feel like there's some difference between like larger houses like HarperCollins Christian or Baker or Tyndale, where they're doing you know several hundred books a year. They just got a lot of books going through the system. Um, you know, I remember uh, talking with people who worked at some smaller kind of indie and specialty publishers in Minneapolis, and those folks would launch like six books a year. You know, and so they're actually literally spending you know, that kind of six to nine months just really focused on those one or two projects. Um, but when it comes to major publishing houses that are doing hundreds of titles a year, uh, there's just not the bandwidth and room in the system to give that kind of focus. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it, it feels personal. I understand that from the author's perspective. 
but at, at the end of the day, it's business. You know, I mean, there's just, you, you just can't employ enough people to uh, give that much more attention to every project. We work hard, we do the best we can, but there is a window. <laughs> yeah, no, you know that. And, and I know that for sure. I was, you know, obviously there at HarperCollins as, as an in-house publicist for about six years. And um, it's just really, really difficult. You know, I, I used to say every book could be a full-time job if, if you did if you did as much as you could and should do for each author on each book. I mean, you could spend hours and hours and hours every day for weeks pitching and following up, but you just, you don't have that. So you kind of got the process. You, you do what you need to do. You push it through, uh, you get what you can and you move on. And, um, you know, and I think that brings me to, you know, this idea, you know, of local PR toolkit and why we have created this, um, this, this toolkit to begin with, you know, there are the folks that we mentioned at the outset who can't find anyone that they can afford to help. They don't know how to do it themselves. We can equip them. You also have these folks that have gone through this process that have now, you know, their book has run through the cycle. The, the publisher has moved on to the next catalog of books and they find themselves here, you know, now with this book thinking, okay, um, what do I do now? You know, you've done all the publicity, you've, you've coordinated the interviews, you've set all that up, you, you know, you wrote the press materials, you, what am I supposed to do here? Is my, my book's just going to die on the vine. Um, and I think that's another place where we could come in and say, hey, you can learn to do this, you know, uh, we can, we can help and equip you. So you, you don't have to, um, just let your book wither and die after it's gone through the cycle. If you've been with a traditional publisher. So, um, you know, I've always said that what we do isn't rocket science, really. It's, it's just being able to spend enough time with a message really distill it down to what's important, why it's important to a particular audience. You know, who is the author, you know, what are their credentials? You know, why are they a viable guest for a particular show in a particular market, you know, on a particular topic? Um, and then just have the, the bandwidth to to be persistent, you know, politely persistent, professionally persistent, um, you know, and, and stick with it. And, and a publicist is not going to have that, at least not in perpetuity. You know, you as the author are going to be able to spend as much time as you want, months or years, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, if you want pitching your book. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the idea. So, um, you know, I would just say, you know, the one thing that's going to keep a book moving is you as the author getting out there and being up in front of people speaking, uh, getting out there doing interviews, podcasts, radio, TV, uh, nothing sells books quite like that because uh, people are seeing you as an authority, as somebody who has something important to say. Uh, now, that's not to say if you do a bunch of interviews uh, early on when a book first releases, you know, you can actually put those on kind of a revolving schedule and try to creatively share those in different ways in your newsletter, on your social media channels. And that, I feel like that's one thing that whether you're self-published or traditionally published, a lot of authors and their teams often overlook that they'll share that interview once and then it's just kind of out there and dead. But you have to remember in terms of your social feeds, you know, only a certain percentage of your audience is seeing your material anytime you post something. So you can keep refreshing that content on a schedule and putting those key interviews, those primary places you were able to get attention and uh, get more life out of that for an extended period of time. I mean, you could be reusing those interviews all year long. So that would be another encouragement. If, if you already have some things that are very solid, be sure you're reusing those because that's just free promotion that's sitting kind of right there in your toolbox that you could already put to work. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. And you know, that reminds me of, a, of an author I worked with years ago um, who had written a cookbook. This is maybe back in 2008, 2009. She'd written a cookbook. She was in Memphis and um, she was releasing the book uh, first of the year, January, February. And uh, of course, Super Bowl is late January, early February. We did a local segment with her. She went into a studio early one morning. She prepared some dishes, some, some party, easy stuff that you could prepare for a Super Bowl party. Uh, and, and I think maybe some low fat stuff, you know, if, if people that are still worried about their, their New Year's resolutions and that kind of thing. Um, and she did a wonderful job on the show. And of course, she became a regular. They had her back. But not only that, Jennifer also pushed that interview out. Every January, I, I think she still does it. You know, every January I see Jennifer, you know, and I have to I have to watch for a second to say, is that the same interview or is she just still doing something different with them? But every year it's relevant, right? There's a Super Bowl every year. There's parties every year. So every she pushes it out, what you just said. And it's ex, it's exposed to a new group of folks. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. Great point. You mentioned that the Super Bowl is an annual event. Um, if you have material or, you know, your, your project, your book relates to specific holidays or themes, I mean, uh, be conscious of that. Um, the other thing I would say is just be, con be conscious of what's current in the news cycle. If you, uh, because of your book, uh, are an uh, authority on a particular topic, perhaps you could pitch yourself as a guest for a news segment to talk about X or something that's currently happening uh, within the culture or that's hot in the news cycle. So. Uh, some of it just comes down to, you know, paying attention to the things that are in front of you and uh, just taking action uh, yeah. with them. We encourage folks to journal the news. And that's one of the things I talked about several weeks ago. I mean, keep, keep a log. What did they cover today? You know, and, and, and it might feel a little awkward, you know, because you think that each event is a one-time event. Why am I doing this? But I think you'll look back next year and you'll start to notice some of these same, as you said, recurring themes and stories popping up year after year. Um, and then you start to figure out, okay, well, I know I've noticed that every July, there's a story about this, you know, every, every August, there's early August, there's a, or going back to school, you know, back to school story every, and you start to figure out, okay, I can, I can pitch myself here. I can fit myself in, you know, this month by pitching myself this way. And, and you start to see this map that you're creating for yourself. Um, and again, that's, that's playing the long game, right? You mentioned it a little bit ago. Uh, it's not something that's going to help you next week. But if your, your plan is to write and that's what you want to do for the rest of your life, then, hey, how helpful would it be to be able to look up six, seven, eight years from now and see what a news station has covered, you know, every August for the last seven years? You know, um, I think that could be really helpful. And, you know, take a couple of minutes each day and, and you got to watch the local news and listen to the local news anyway. Right. If you if you want to uh, reach out to these folks and and pitch them effectively, you got to watch. So. Um, just something else we recommend people do. One last thing I would mention too is, you know, just remember that you have better technology in your pocket than the average news station had 10 years ago. Really? I mean, you, you know, with, you know, most of our phones have 4k cameras and it's easy to capture yourself, uh, talking or to, to live stream. And so, um, I, I'm not saying you should try to go out and say, Hey, I'm going to make the next viral video, but, uh, I have author friends who, because of something they decided to, you know, go live on Facebook or Periscope a ways back and talk about something, whether it's controversial or something they were passionate about or knowledgeable about. I know people who have gotten book deals because of stuff like that. So even if you can't immediately find a news outlet that wants to talk about something, you could also put yourself out there on social media using the phone that's in your pocket right now 
and share passionately about that particular topic or whatever you're an expert on. And that could also lead to other opportunities. Um, If you have a video that goes viral, you could go to a news outlet and say, hey, I have this video. I talked about X and you know, it got millions and millions of views, um, that would give some social proof also to you as an expert on that topic who commands an audience. Yeah. So all these things are happening locally. I mean, again, circling back, you know, all these things that we've talked about are things that are going to be hap- happening locally, um, you know, and, 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 and so it's important to, uh, to wrap your mind around that idea, right, that uh, local is where I need to start. Local is where I'm always going to be most relevant. This is where I'm going to spend my time, you know, day in, day out, month after month. Uh, the, the national stuff is great, but it's uh, it's a longer shot for me. And and, and you need to start locally. It, it, that is an absolutely doable, achievable goal, you know, um, to do to do local media and to do it often. Um, so I tell you, one of the things, Sean, that we we like to uh, to do with with our listeners is you know we we cover a lot of ground. Um, I think you've given us a ton of great content here today, but we like to leave them with a one minute takeaway. Um, you know, if, if, if you had uh, one thing that you wanted to make sure folks walked away from this conversation with today, what would it be? Probably my one encouragement would be to remember that you are an expert, that you have special experiences, uh, abilities, things that nobody else has. The way that your talents and passions intersect in your life with the things you accomplish, that is unique to you. And that is something that other people actually would benefit from hearing about. And so be willing to accept that you are an expert. I I think that is one of the biggest challenges authors face is kind of uh, maybe feeling like they're, they're imposters or they're kind of posing that they're really not that guy or that gal who has something important to say on whatever the topic happens to be. And so my encouragement would be is remember you are an expert. And so be willing to own that. Be willing to put yourself out there as the expert. And if you do that with confidence and professionalism, it's going to open doors. I guarantee it. Yeah. No, you're right. And if you don't believe that you are, then the news outlets absolutely aren't going to believe that you are, right? You project that. So, yeah. Well, thanks, man. This has been great. Um, I wish I could see you more. I wish we could talk more. Maybe we could um, do this more often. And, 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 and speaking of becoming a regular, man, I'd love for you to be a regular on this show. I think you bring so much to the table. And I, I think this is probably a little bit different, or at least different enough than the Sean Tabbitt show that, uh, you know, maybe it wouldn't be uh, too much a conflict of interest for you to, to, to join our folks every once in a while and, and share some with them, right? Right. Absolutely, man. You know, I'm always up to collaborate with you on anything. We've, we've been looking for things to collaborate on for years. So finally, we found something we can collaborate on this podcast. So but where can people, where can we find you? Where can our listeners find you um, online? Where can, the Sean Tabbitt show uh, can be heard. Um, where can they find you? Yeah, probably the easiest place to find me is just seantabbitt.com. That's my website uh, for the podcast. If you want to connect with me, there's a contact page on there or uh, if it's easier, you can just send an email to show at seantabbitt.com. If you have uh, a book idea that you want to pitch me for an interview, uh, I get inundated with hundreds and hundreds of interview <laughs> requests every month. So just just know that. But I try to have kind of this sort of 80-20 principle where 20% of the content I go after is from up-and-coming authors or people that are new. Because in my heart, I want to give people a chance to get that first interview opportunity. Um, I'm sad that I can't do that as much as I used to be able to because I've just got too much going on, but um, I'm still very passionate about that. So if you want to connect with me, you can certainly 
reach me through my website or send me an email. Look me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And yeah, if you want to connect with me, tag me, give me a shout out. I'm always glad to interact as much as I can. Come on, man. You don't have that much going on. You've only got 10 kids. (laughs) That's true. That's true. A lot of free time. (laughs) All right. Spell Tabit for us one more time because I still, I've known you 10 years and I still have trouble. Yeah. Well, and and my first name is spelled funny too. So yeah. yeah, For the website, SeanTabit.com. That's S-H-A-U-N-T-A-B-A-T-T.com. So yeah, go there, check us out. I've got 341 episodes thus far for that particular show. So Lots of back content you could listen to if you were curious. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you, man. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. What Sean said right there that really stuck out to me was, don't forget about the technology in your pocket. You literally have an entire news studio in your pocket. Learn to use that, and not just for pitching media, but for providing content consistently to your own audience and building that audience because media is driven by ratings. They love to know that you're going to bring an audience with you when you do their show and that you'd know how to promote a segment. Sound bites and wisdom like that are invaluable. It's the kind of thing I get to hear all the time as a publicist, but it's not the kind of thing that you, our authors, friends, and listeners are privy to. That's why we built Local PR Toolkit, a one-of-a-kind suite of tools and resources that train you up to be the publicist you have always wanted and needed. Find us online, localprtoolkit.com for more info. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And until next time, remember, the search is over. The publicist is you. The Book Publicist Podcast is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is hosted by publicist Jason Jones and is produced and edited by me, David Wilkinson. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love for you to subscribe to the Book Publicist Podcasts wherever podcasts are downloaded. And be sure to check out our episode show notes. Special thanks to Sean Tabbitt for being on the podcast. Be sure to go to localprtoolkit.com to get started right now on becoming your own publicist. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can check out more podcasts by Mana3 Media, including my own, Dad Matters, on Instagram at Mana3Media. That's M-A-N-A, the number three, media. New episodes of the Book Publicist Podcast drop bi-weekly every other Wednesday, so join us again in two weeks.